and uh, just let's see now. I get my ducks in a row here. Um, quack, 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 quack. Recording, 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 recording. recording. Do ducks appear? Do 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 circuses typically have ducks? And duck doesn't strike me as being a circus animal. I, I, I guess it depends on the circus. Do you? Get yeah, that? I've seen duck acts. Duck act. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a duck act. A duck act. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I. So, you, are you getting the segue here? This is a very subtle one. I. I no, no, I'm not getting this this segue. But right. go on, be yeah. your bad self. Yeah, well, you know, in the uh, 2020 pandemic cancellation of the week, um, we have the uh, the uh, flying circus. Yes, I think it's canceled, right, David? You put this on the list. What's the story? Yeah, here? yeah. <laughs> they canceled it. No. Uh, I don't no. know. Why did you put this on the list? Because they were doing their fiftieth season uh, starting. Oh. Well, it says they were they were they were to reopen last Saturday, the twelfth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. So it's not a cancel. Oh, see, we're we're coming out the far side of this. You got to you got to read the fine print, dude. I don't read well, these things. Well, either. this is Virginia, which you know is not. Um, oh, never, I don't want to go there. So for starters, here. All right. So let let's go back a couple steps here. Uh, what is the Flying Circus Air Show? I don't know if I've ever heard of this. You've never heard of it, Flying Circus? It, it built in Virginia. It's, no. It's been going on forever. Uh, apparently uh, 50 years or something like that. Yeah, right? they uh, were supposed to start their 50th season this past weekend. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon tradition there in uh, uh, suburban D.C. Uh, and it's a real barnstorming show uh, circa the 1930s mm-hmm. with biplanes and wing walkers and uh, aerobatics right. and the drunk drunken farmer act and, sure. and, and, and all that stuff. And I, I that, was whoa, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's an act? The drunken <laughs> farmer's an act? Oh, oh man. man. All right. <laughs> All right, Santa Claus will will straighten you all out later on in the year. <laughs> uh, this sounds very reminiscent of the uh, what's the one in upstate New York? Um, right, no, Rhinebeck. Rhinebeck, yeah, yeah. Rhinebeck. Sounds sounds. And, and you know, I have to confess, I, I lived in the D.C. area for thirty years, yeah. and I knew Bealton was out there. I knew the show was there, and I just I never went. Mm-hmm. And I, oh. I, yeah, I know, I know. It's just it's crazy. Well, we'll have to put it on our post-COVID um, activities list to uh, huh? go and, and, and fail to record an episode while we're there. Last time we did. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was well, a uh, Ponca City air show. Uh, in, in the seven years that I was working out of D.C. area, I only went twice. Uh-huh. And both times that was with friends of mine from the FAA. Uh who were like, man, we're going to Bealton this weekend. Then we're going to go to this party at, at so-and-so's place. Man, you ought to come out for this. And it's like uh, on on a Sunday with uh, nothing better to do, it, it was an automatic, oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, I mean, it sounds like fun. Now, now let's see. So what, And I mistook this when I started out by saying it was canceled. It surely, according to this, has not been canceled. Um, it's literally what they say on their homepage is we are currently putting in place additional safety and social distancing measures yeah. to help ensure the health and safety of guests, staff, and like performers. like so many things they're adjusting how they uh how they space the crowd out, how yeah. the space parking and all this stuff and yeah. you know, it's just common sense like uh 
wearing a mask when you go out in public. Yep. Yep. So, uh, what was it like, David? When you went, I mean, you went some time ago, but what was it like? Uh, just like the the uh, description says. I mean, uh, we we got treated to an afternoon of uh, flying clowns and wing walkers and uh, uh, the drunken farmer routine. Uh, some uh, really nice aerobatics, uh, particularly in the older airplanes, and uh, and it was fortunately one of those nice sunny days. It wasn't oppressively hot for the uh, Potomac Basin, and uh, we just we just had a great time we drug out the folding chairs and sat along the flight line and you know and whooped and cheered and oh my gosh did you see that with with the rest of the crowd mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was a it, it was a good crowd that day okay uh, i mean is this like low-level aerobatics or, or was it oh yeah yeah uh, yeah well it sounds like fun We'll definitely have to go check this out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's roughly equally distant from the three of us too, so that would be kind of a you know even Stephen kind of trip for the three of us. That would be fun. Well, no, it was what was most fun for for some of my pilot friends and 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 me was watching the uh, the reaction of the uh, under fifteen crowd to something that they'd never seen, something they'd not been exposed to, and hearing the announcer talk about this is this is the way air shows used to be done years ago, and they'd go from town to town. That's why they called them barnstormers. They'd yeah. land in a farmer's field, sell some rides. Next thing you know. The rest of the troop would show up, and the flying circus would be off and running after dropping leaflets over the town nearby. Yep, yep. Um, I'm looking at the map. My goodness, Jeb. I mean, this was really in your, literally in your. Backyard. I know. I, I, I know. How did you not end up at this thing almost accidentally at one time? I mean, because like... I generally slept late on Sundays. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, was, but wasn't that back in the era of your life where you had children, uh, where sleeping was not allowed? I don't there's, know. there's that. Yeah. There's that. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, well, good. It's not canceled. Um, it sounds like they're going to do a modified version. And uh, if you're in the in the just south of DC uh, area of Virginia, yeah, it's it's just south of Manassas, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've flown over it on several occasions. Sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. And there's always a NOTAM issued for it. So a real, like a true FAA NOTAM. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've got a, a, an aerobatic box, and, and oh, of uh, course, if they've got a box, they would have. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's not so much a you know sun and fun Oshkosh arrival notum as it is a just use caution. In I the don't area. think you want to. F- I don't think they'd let you fly in there. Actually, I think you have to drive in. Oh, it's not a public. Uh, I see. Okay, it's, well, it's a private I, I, airport again. Not unlike Rhinebeck, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, yeah, definitely. And we'd check. love to hear from Rhinebeck, find out what they're doing these days. Well, you know, it's too bad we don't have a device. Uh, let's see here. What am I doing here? Oh, my God. This? I've trained you too well. Rhinebeck. <laughs> uh, well, Rhinebeck is not. Rhinebeck's in New York State. Yeah. Yep. But Flying I, Circus I, is, is Virginia. No, no, but he asked how he wanted. David wanted a, a report on how Rhinebeck uh, oh, oh, uh, air show thing is going here, and so I'm I'm doing the googling today. Old Rhinebeck Aerodrome. This is their website. What does it say? It says, uh, uh, well, it looks pretty normal to me. You know, wait a minute. 
we're being safe. We want you to be too. Make your long-range plans. Uh, Nothing's jumping out at me on their front page about any particular uh, cancellation or special events. Gala in the Clouds, July 31st. Uh, I don't know. Um, I can't quite tell from the text here whether this is their normal web page or whether they've made um, exceptions for the uh, pandemic or not. But uh, So, Randbeck, uh, if you hear us, let us know. Yeah, but there, I don't see any – certainly I don't see anything that shows like a, a cancellation type of thing at Rhinebeck. It's old Rhinebeck Aerodrome. Uh, it's, it's old Rhinebeck dot org uh Rhinebeck with an h uh, and uh, some some of those airplanes are originals Rhinebeck yeah Rhinebeck was Rhinebeck seems for years now it seemed like it's always on the edge of 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 fading away because it's kind of marginal I mean I, I get more people to go to Rhinebeck I confess I've never gone to Rhinebeck but uh um you see there you go yeah I know huh so uh we'll do an episode there sometime yeah, I don't I don't feel so bad anymore yeah, okay. <laughs> I, uh, Rhinebeck is not as close to me as uh, as uh, Flying Circus was to you, so there. Over the years, I have talked about my concept that there are a certain group of airplanes that were just done right. They are just airplanes that will endure, um, and uh, like the like the one. 72 and the and the b52 and the c130 um and in my mind always on that list was a 747 um but and i guess many of these airplanes have gone out of manufacturing and 747 is going adding to that list huh what's apparently apparently um, they've uh, decided uh, to stop making seven fours yeah there's there's been a a flurry of of uh, news stories over the last i don't know a couple of weeks um, about how Boeing's official documents don't really have any um, any budget pl- you know budget plans and, and, and production plans things like that don't have uh, the 747 uh, going forward after a couple of years they are not ordering uh, components and, and supplies from subcontractors things like that and to my I don't I don't know that uh, Boeing has refuted any of that. Uh, and there may be a subsequent news that I've missed, uh, but it does appear that uh, um, Boeing is going to cease production of the 747 within the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, curiously, the, the they have only really been making freighters apparently recently in the in the 747-8 uh, models, uh, but it does appear that the last two. Uh, passenger versions, i.e., you know, with windows, um, are going to be the next Air Force One and, and, and its backup. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Which is our, our airplanes they bought from a Russian airline. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Which yeah. that's no, we're not even going there. That's, no, no, yeah. I'm. I just uh, I don't want to do that today. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, according to Wikipedia, over the years there have been one thousand five hundred and fifty-eight seven forty-sevens built. Um, that and, seems that seems low. Yeah. Uh, am I reading this right? Number built. Yeah. So that's what Wikipedia says, anyways. Or is that uh, is that. 747-400s, or is that all 747 production? No, because I'm looking at the the, the general 747 page. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, anyways. Really? 
I had occasion to uh, do some research on something recently. So I'm almost changing the subject here, but it is a Boeing aircraft. I think it's a Boeing aircraft. Wait a minute. Is a C-5 a Boeing aircraft? No, it's Lockheed. It's Lockheed aircraft. Which is now, well, let's see. Where did Lockheed go after it went under? Um, Lockheed Martin, right? Well, Lockmore, yeah. And I'm not sure they, well, they're they're still making, uh, it's General Dynamics. Every now Uh, and then I see a C-5. Yeah, I've lost lost track. Oh, no, it's okay. Never mind. Yeah. Every now and then I see a C-5 in the air here um, over uh, the uh, New Hampshire seacoast area because um, although Pease Air Force Base isn't really a full-blown Air Force Base anymore, there is still an Air Force Reserve unit based there. Um, and they have a great big long runway, um, and we see a lot of big um, iron, big Air Force iron, using it for pattern work. Literally, you'll see a, um, you'll see. I mean, you certainly see the tankers, which is the main mission. I think I believe they fly out of there, um, doing pattern work. But uh, every now and then, you'll see a C five doing pattern work in, uh, around the area here. And the other day, I happened to see one. I was, I was looking at it, and I was just kind of pondering the, the you know, the model because I and I've talked about this on the podcast before. For years and years, I I, I didn't understand the you know, this was before becoming a pilot i didn't understand that that last letter at the end was a model designation and so for years i just called that aircraft the c5a um and i've since discovered realized learned that uh, that the letter varies um, and i got to thinking about how many model letters there were for c5s and how many they built and so i did a little research it was kind of interesting um Turns out that that they only actually manufactured fresh airframes for two model letters, A's and B's. C5s mm-hmm. we're talking about here, um, A's and B's. Um, over the years, they then upgraded various A's and B's to be, as I understand it, two other model designations: the C, Charlie, and and then they skipped ahead to the M, Mike, hmm. um, and. Uh, and now over the year, and that was kind of my ultimate question was how many in-service airworthy C5s are there now? Um, and uh, they apparently built 151. Mm-hmm. This is all from memory. I'm not looking at the Wikipedia page, but from I believe I got this right. They built a grand total of A's and B's, 151 of them over the years. Um, and over the years, all of them have been upgraded at least once and sometimes multiple times <laughs> so that the entire fleet is now M models, Mike models. Um, and there continue to be, according to Wikipedia, 53 of them in service. <laughs> so I don't know. That's just a little bit of of uh, C5 trivia there. Interesting. Uh, you were looking at something up. What were you looking up, Jeb? Did you find? Something? I wasn't looking at anything. Okay, up. That's on you. This that's on you. This episode. Uh, no, I, I, it is on me. But I thought maybe you were, you know, sort of a, as a little uh, a, a uh, <clears throat> what's the word? Not rebel. Uh, maverick. You were doing a little maverick uh, researching. I might, I might, on occasion, do some sleuthing. So, oh, okay. But okay, all right, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. This because you are. This at is heart, not one. This is a, not one of those occasions. You are at heart a sleuthful person sleuthful sleuthful that's that's you sleuthful uh next time i come down there i'll have a shirt for you that says sleuthful Uh, okay uh let's let's make sure that's a word first (laughs) no it it is now don't you seem to understand (laughs) it is now uh, it's like it's like the multiverse we've just spawned a whole new dictionary don't make me come up there (laughs) 
<laughs> so, anyways, um, they, uh, they're not making 747s anymore. David, did they? Uh, uh, do, do they make any part of a 747 in Wichita? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, whole, the whole section 41, the uh, uh, fuselage section, uh, that is. <laughs> has as a cockpit the forward section is called section 41 they make that uh they also make the nacelles and struts uh on which the engines go to go on the wings now do they put these seven four fuselages on trains and send them to seattle as well or no i think those get put on the uh freighter that comes here to pick up uh fuselage parts for the 787 well Okay. Even so, that kind of begs the question of whether or not there's a freighter that's bigger than a seven four, inside bigger. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the um, what do they call those? David? Oh, that that guppy thing. Yeah. 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 Right. I know what you're talking about. Right? Remember, one landed at the wrong airport a few years back. Right. It landed at uh, Colonel James Chabara Airport, airport instead of uh, McConnell Air Force Base. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and you know, in, in in their defense, they were n- not familiar with the area. They came out of a low overcast and saw a runway, bright lined up. Like who who among us? Am I right? <laughs> who <laughs> among us? Who among us? I don't know. Right? That's hell. We even know people who landed on taxiways. So, yeah, this was uh, it, it was tough on the runway at Jabara. Uh, fortunately, the airplane was empty. <laughs> I can't imagine. That's how they got down and stopped. So, or, well, that's how they managed to get it out again, I would imagine, yeah. too. Well, it, it put some deep, deep furrows in the pavement at the south end of the runway yeah. at Chabara. I would imagine. I would and imagine. Uh, they had to bring a tug over from McConnell to turn it around in kind of a modified three-point, four-point turn to get it pointed the other way so it could go out. Mm-hmm. And then I believe they sent a fuel truck over to defuel uh, the airplane down to the minimal it needed, the minimum amount needed for it to leave Jabara, make a circuit and come around from the south and land into the wind at McConnell. And mm-hmm. we're talking about 15 18 minute flight here uh, and then off it went into the in in into the wind yeah and uh they had to uh so did the careers of the, of the crew uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they had to limit use of the runway for a while until they got the damage section fixed right uh, that runways uh i believe from memory it's six thousand and change and they were limiting it to five Right. So, this is because the aircraft was too heavy for the pavement, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Way um, too heavy for the pavement. Has the world run out of Jado bottle Jado rockets? No. So, uh you guys know what I'm talking about here. Um yeah. there used to there used to be a really spectacular uh, uh air show act if you will. Um where the Blue Angels support one C-130. Fat Albert, I believe, is that what they call yes, it? Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, and they would put these uh, Genesis takeoff rockets on the Fat Albert, right, and do one of these, you know, assisted takeoffs, which is really dramatic, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. Um, but I, saw, I thought I remembered there being talk at one point about how they were running out of these rockets and that, and maybe they were just running low and may, have they i don't think i've seen that performance in quite some time have you 
Oh, I remember the last time I can recall seeing it was at Sun and Fun. Right. Uh, and uh, the first time the Blues came to, to perform there, which hasn't been that many years ago. Oh, okay. Well, maybe uh, I'm mistaken. But, it, you know, that's not something that uh, is used in such a high volume, at least in non-combat situations, non-air show situations, that uh, it, it, they uh, may have let the inventory get a little low, but I would think that they would have spooled back up and uh, filled the order book up to get some of them in, because there are circumstances in, 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 in runways in which the Jado bottles are the only solution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear Jeb typing away. I think you're doing some un, unofficial, unauthorized uh, Google searching there. What does it say? I, 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 I got the same thing on my screen. Go ahead. I might be. Let's see. Wikipedia has an entry for JATO, J-A-T-O, Jet Assisted Takeoff. Uh, it is interchangeable for Rado, uh, Urban Legend. Well, it's, it's a long entry. It's not jumping out at me here. According according to what little research I have done, wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. Um, the bottles are no longer in production. Ah, okay. But I'm not. I'm not saying that they can't be put back in production. I, I don't know. You know. These days, you know what they do? You know what they use? What's that? A helicopter. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to talk about here. No. Okay. What I want to talk about is Jeb. How you doing? What's going on? What are you? Oh, uh, not you a whole doing? lot. Not a whole lot. Um, the uh, August issue of uh, of Safety has long long ago been in the can. Um, so I'm negotiating with various contributors for on the next one. Mm-hmm. September issue, um, working with a couple of clients on some other stories and articles for other publications, uh, and uh, trying to keep the lawn mode and uh, trying to enjoy a summer in Florida. Well, okay. Yeah, this is a special case summer in Florida, but fortunately you're kind of off in the midst of the no- middle of nowhere there. And uh, Yeah, um, it doesn't mean I can't enjoy the summer. Uh, it just means that um, I can only do it by myself. Yes. Okay. But you hate that, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Shucks. Yeah. Rare rabbit, please don't throw me that rock patch. <laughs> how's, your, how's your gator population? Well, it's interesting. Um, no, I haven't seen any of the youngsters anymore. You know, we talked about that in the last episode. I haven't seen the youngsters at all. And I've been looking because, you know, I, I kind of like my digits the way they are. Um, but, um, does seem we had a shift change when it comes to the, the adult alligator. Uh, I, I haven't, haven't seen much of an alligator lately, but what I do see seems to be, uh, a size smaller than what was here the last time I paid much attention. Um, I don't know if they got washed in hot water or if in fact there's been a shift change and uh, I now have a younger uh, mm-hmm. alligator populating the lake. I, I, I don't. I don't purport to know what the alligator Craigslist uh, uh, rooms available uh, site looks like. No, okay. no. I was going to ask whether or not your pond is listed in um, in Air G and G. Air G and G. 
exactly. Exactly. That was so bad. I'm sorry. I, that's, that, 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 is, that is bad. That is bad. Uh, I'm sufficiently old school. I just think of Craigslist uh, as opposed to Airbnb. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, that's, that's you know, that's the, the, the wildlife report. Um, What's that website where the gators swipe with their tail? Uh, 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 oh, you, you swipe with their yeah, tail? See, swipe. Should have learned. Jerry Seinfeld told us once you get a laugh, you go, you leave, you're done. Um, so does a gator swipe left or swipe right? Exactly. All right. You know, it's, well, okay. That's There's layers to that. La, 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 la. <laughs> Um, I came across an interesting uh, little tidbit story here um, in the Airfax Journal uh, website. Here, let me just actually open it up here and refresh my memory. So, Airfax Journal, this is John Zimmerman. I, do you guys know John Zimmerman? I don't know John Zimmerman. I know of him. I don't yeah, know okay. him personally. And so he's written a little piece here. Uh, well, he's with Sporties, isn't he? Uh, oh, you know, that's where I've heard the name. I think you may be right here. Now, he and um, he's the author of this article. Uh, he references Barry Schiff. Um, I don't know if this is... Anyways, it's a list. It's a list of, according to the headline, five airplanes every pilot should fly. Um, and uh, and so I think, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder wonder how this... So here's, so here's the five airplanes. Um, Piper Cub. Okay. And by the way, he's not suggesting... Let's see. Let me I can find the word. He, he says... Uh, uh, he, he kind of put a little qualification on this here. Oh, I mean, he's just basically saying, you know, these are these are just you know unique and different and five particular ones that you might want to have in your logbook that give you a a a breadth of of experience. Piper Cub, Beach Bonanza, Cessna one seventy two. Cirrus SR-22, which I thought was a little surprising to be on the list, but I guess it is a, a good generic, not generic, but, but category example. Um, and then the one of the Vans RV series, um, also an interesting category. So, so that's, that's his five aircraft. Um, now, speaking for myself... I only have one of these in my logbook, uh, I've, I've, and I've only ridden in one other. Let's see now. So obviously, I have 172 in my logbook, um, and I've ridden in Bonanzas, um, even if, and even if we don't consider your airplane a Bonanza, Jeb, and I don't know how you guys feel about that subject being, it's a debonair, damn it. Um, um, well, for purposes of um, this article, um, the Bonanza and my debonair are all manufactured under the same type certificate. Right. Yeah. So that said, I'm not flying a fork-tailed Doctor Killing Wigglebird. Yeah. Okay. So you definitely have a Bonanza. Um, so uh, my here's my Bonanza story. My my you know Bonanza owners are a very particular story. Um, that one of the was it maybe I think it was the first time I ever went to Oshkosh. Um, I flew from California with a buddy of mine who owned a Bonanza. It was, he was relatively new to this aircraft. Um, and he was very proud of it. He bought it brand new and oh, wow. Silicon Valley money and all that kind of thing. All right. Um, and, uh, um, and he was very proud of this airplane and, um, and, and was very good at enjoying flying it and so forth and so on. And I was riding in, in the right seat with him. We were flying to, uh, to Oshkosh. 
we arrived in the Oshkosh area, um, and uh, as it sometimes happens, um, Whitman Field was closed. Um, I believe it was full was the issue, all right? Um, and so we were redirected to Fond du Lac. So we went down to Fond du Lac, and we entered the pattern for you know, the procedure to arrive at Fond du Lac. And, at, and similar to the way they do it at, at Oshkosh, at Whitman Field, um, the controllers were calling out aircraft descriptions um, and giving instructions that you were not supposed to respond to on the radio. And so we're on downwind, and the, the controller, the ATC guy, keeps referring to this as a blue and white Cherokee. Okay. <laughs> and and my, my friend, uh, you know, uh, proud owner of this Bonanza, just kind of like bit his tongue for a little while and didn't say anything. And after about the third time, and he didn't answer on the, just like he's supposed to, don't answer on the radio, you know, and rock your wings and all that kind of good stuff. And after about the third or fourth time that the controller referred to it as a blue and white Cherokee, all right, my, my buddy just quickly clicked the mic and said, uh, uh, you know, something like, you know, Wilco, blue and white bonanza. And, and then we continued and we landed and everything was fine. But he just could not, he couldn't tolerate that he was repeatedly being called a Cherokee. I, I feel his pain. Yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. Anyway, somewhere there was a Cherokee owner puffing up his chest going, yeah, baby. Yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> so uh, how many of these five do you have? Uh, Jeb, why don't you go first? Uh, how many have I flown or been in or whatever? I think um, all logged, but log, logged in your bo- in your all but the v- RV series. No RV. Even you haven't done, don't have time. I've, in I've been in a, an RV, okay, but I've not logged time in it. Okay, all right. Um, so you got all except the RV. All right, and David, how about you? We we'll have the five. How many do you have logged? Okay, Pop- let's see. J three. Yep. One seventy two. Uh, SR twenty and twenty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the others? RV and Bonanza. What, did it say which RV? It just says the something in the RV series in the family. Oh yeah, definitely uh, RV six and uh, RV eight and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Bonanza. I flew a forty eight Bonanza at Oshkosh one year. So here's my real question, um, and that is. Uh, Tell me some of the airplanes that you have in your logbook that I might not know about, um, other than these five. Um, while you're thinking about that, let me tell you about. Uh, so I went th- back through my memory. I don't have that many aer- different aircraft types in my logbook. Um, I don't have the hours that you guys have. But just to give you, this is my perspective. Um, I certainly have uh, Cessna one seventy two slash one fifties in my logbook. Um, I have Arrow slash Ar- I both Arrow and Archer. A fair amount of Archer time. I have Arrow time as a as a uh, uh, as dual time. Um, I have twenty minutes in a Pitts S two B. Um, that, that's a story I think I've told on the podcast. Uh, I have some time and, in fact, got checked out in that Gobosh, you might recall. That mm-hmm. was at, uh, um, that uh, LSA that I flew for a while. Um, I've got a little bit of Satabria time when I, my, my sort of interrupted tailwheel training. And I don't think I actually put, put it in my logbook, but I do have probably 10 minutes of stick time in a champ. Um, that day, Jeb, that we okay, were flying sure. with yeah. your neighbor, yeah. um, and uh, and although oh, he did Dave most Whitman. of, what's say again, Dave Whitman, Dave right. Whitman, yeah, uh, he did most of the flying. He did give me the stick for a while, um, and uh, um, so that was so. Those are my. That's actually six, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, who wants to go first, Jeb, David? Are we what, talking about what, what's the? the I don't know. Just uh, there just must be a lot of interesting odd, airplanes in your okay, logbook. Okay, yeah, yeah, interesting, odd, memorable, uh, something like that. Well, pick one. I don't even need to do five. Uh, I don't know. A couple that 
might not be in other people's logbook. Cessna 205. 205? 205. Uh, how, how's a 205 different than a 6 and a 4? And a, I don't know if it's a 4. I know this is a 6. Um, What's a 205? What makes 205 it? 205 was, was kind of a cross between a 182. It was basically, initially it was called a Super Skyline. Uh, okay. And it morphed over the, over a few years in the 60s into what we know as the 206 now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I used to own part of one of those, actually. Uh, then uh, Cardinal RG is one of my longtime favorite sleepers of, of uh, general aviation. Yeah, really? Um, good, solid cruising airplane, very very stable uh, in flight, uh, can carry a load, and it's, and it's fast. Um, comfortable to fly, uh, easy to fly, yada, yada. Um, kind of miss those from, from back in the day. Is that an airplane that has no wing struts? That's correct. It's can. Cantilever, yeah. cantilevered wing yeah. yeah okay and it has uh-huh. big doors that if you uh let them they will get away from you and break the hinges yeah oh that's break your door hinges yeah yeah um but i mean it's, it's got basic cessna systems and a light coming engine and and the the only weak link if you think of it that way is uh early models had some uh gear teething pains which they finally managed to resolve by the later models but uh um some of that is uh problematic hmm. interesting yeah. okay Dave, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you got another one, Jim? Um, um, glider, an S232 Schweitzer glider. Mm. Um, did an intro ride in once years ago. Um, um, had a friend who was uh, friends with Wayne Handley, who, mm-hmm. who used to do a, um air show routine uh, at, at Oshkosh and various air shows. He got his start as a... Uh, agricultural application uh, pilot and when I was visiting that region of California um, the friend of a friend thing uh, got me a ride with him in a cub it was a I think it was a J3 but it had like you know a Rolls Royce Merlin or something in it I don't know what it was (laughs) Um, but but we went out and uh, we were chasing coyotes in the dunes and uh, in, in uh, San Joaquin Valley, and that was that was one of the more memorable flights. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, fl- uh, airplanes on floats, airplanes on on wheels, airplanes with tail wheels. Um, um, flown most of the Cherokee line uh, except the six. I've never flown a six. I've flown a Seneca, but never flown a Cherokee six. Um, so things like that. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, um, I'm sitting down actually to kind of go through some of my logbook stuff uh, while I've got some time here, and um, uh, thinking back, you know, some of these memories. Oh wow, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you know, wow, she was hot. You know, uh, but <laughs> the airplane. You mean? You're yeah, about the yeah, yeah, the airplane. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah okay, the airplane. Right. Uh, that kind of thing. David, what's some interesting airplanes in here in your logbook? I know, and 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 I don't know. I'm going to suggest that you not talk about hang gliding because that's a whole different category. But um, yeah, I was going to leave the uh, hang gliding and, and the ultralights alone. I, I must have flown 110 or 15 different ultralights over right. the years. But uh, one of the more interesting uh, flights I got the log was in a uh, prototype of a revival of the Monocoupe 110 Special. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know that airplane. Describe it for me. Uh, 
it was a uh, n- n- late, late 20s, 30s, early 30s racer. Uh, very small cockpit. Uh, had a round engine originally. This had a uh, 220 horse, I believe it was, Lycoming up front with a constant speed prop. And the fuselage had been modified just slightly to take the cowl that went with that engine. Uh, nimble little sucker. Uh, Pitts S2S. It's uh, got time in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Got time in Aviat Husky. And those were all on the same trip. Those three were all on the same right. trip. Um, let's see. Cessna 206. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flew all three of the new production Cessnas when they first came back. Uh, 172, 182, 206. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I had one other there in the back of my mind. Oh, a, a uh, very easy. I'm sorry, a long easy. Mm, long easy. Oh, sure. Oh. Yeah. That, long That'd easy. be fun. That was... That was that was a little rocket ship. Uh, yeah. It only had 150 horse with a fixed pitch prop, uh-huh. but it boogied down the road. Oh and yeah, was... I, you know it's funny. I'd forgotten. Until, I don't have. I didn't have stick time, but I did get a ride in a long easy one time. And and uh, and uh, thinking back on it, that was a thing. This was my buddy. This was belonged to my buddy who had plans to put a jet engine on it, and I'm pretty sure he didn't accomplish this, which is good because it was scaring the rest of us in the chapter all. <laughs> Like, you're really going to do that? No, let's not do that. Uh, got, I had time. Got time in uh, a couple of the uh, retractable gear canard home builds with pusher engines. Uh, mm-hmm. Landing those was an experience. Because uh, you had to keep the nose up. You didn't want to let the nose come down unless you break the nose gear. But at the same time, you got to get it down some point. And the view wasn't exactly uh, uh, panoramic when you were at uh, approach attitude. We just basically held it until the main touches down. Uh, I remember getting a very, very long checkout in that just to make sure that I could land it without the nose wheel touching first or even at the same time as the other. So, uh, God, I'd have to dig the log back out to find yeah. any more. No, that's but, great. That's that's pretty interesting. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, the monocoop was the most fun. Five airplanes. Lots of airplanes. You guys, I'm jealous of you guys. I, I know you guys get to sample a lot of airplanes as a result of your media work. And uh, um, I suppose I might be able to hustle my way into that kind of thing, too, if I chose. But I never have. Um, but uh, cool stuff. Yeah. Cool stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, off-field landing of the week, uh, David. This is out in your uh, neck of the woods. I don't know. Did you? Are you even the one that put it on the list? Let's see here. Perfect landing. No. Well, I, put, I think the Great Bend Tribune thing that you put on is the same thing that I put on as off-field landing of the week. Oh, then maybe I've got it on the list twice. Hang on. Well, anyways, um, it's uh, yeah. So uh, it's out in your neck of the woods, David. What do you? This was actually uh, near Jabara, which is one of your airports. Uh, yeah. Do you know anything about this incident? Can you tell us? Well, I I've met the guy that was flying it, but I don't really know him. And uh, his name's Dave Rolf. Uh, left Jabara. That's Alpha Alpha Oscar for those of you that want to look it up. Uh, uh, in a uh, uh, bonanza, uh, an old V-tail, 
and he was headed to Colorado Springs, and uh, engine quit. Yeah. Nothing complicated. These things happen. The engine just stopped providing the thrust needed it to fly at 8,000 feet, and uh, the uh, guy turned it around and headed back down. He got near Great Bend, Kansas, and uh, touched it down in a plowed field and did no further damage to it. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah, textbook. Nice, textbook. Nice job. Um, I'm searching for the gentleman's name so we can congratulate him here. Dave Rolfe. Dave Dave Rolfe. Okay. I see David. I don't see the... But I believe you. Um, yeah. Very good. Um, and they're towing it with a ATV tractor. Uh, AD, ATV, uh, uh, you know... Uh, An ATV. Quad. Four-wheeler. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you need one of those, Jeb. There you go. Yeah, I need another small internal combustion engine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, you'll get it right eventually. Right? I mean, it's just like the uh, don't the, make me come up there. The uh, the uh, what's the thing? The the uh, uh, rule of large numbers suggests that eventually one of them. Law of averages. Law of averages. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyways, well, congratulations to uh, Dave Dave Rolf uh, for uh, successfully getting the airplane on yeah, the ground. Yeah. Good uh, job. Good job. Good job. Good job. So, Jack, you know, I was, I'm, I've got to ask. Yeah. What have you been up to these days? Oh, it's funny you should ask. Um, I, <laughs> it says so right here on the list. I know. I know. Sorry, folks. We're still getting used to this. I'm not sure if this is working or not. I'm not sure it is either, <laughs> yeah. but um, at least we can uh, laugh at ourselves. So, uh, nothing aviation related. I'm I'm slowly sneaking up on the possibility of going getting current. Um, I'm I'm you know kind of like a lot of people are are talking about it, and I see a lot of examples of people flying in masks and and yeah. You know. I, I went out a few days ago, got BFR'd. Um, oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah good good deal. So, uh, um, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about it, and uh, I'm slowly sneaking up, but I haven't done that. Um, uh, but I'm surely keeping busy. Holy moly! Um, so the one of the big things. This is a for you tech, techno tech. I was going to say technophobes, but this is not a phobe thing. This is a techno techno. What's the word for loving thing? Uh, a file. Anyways, file. Yes. Uh, I'm late to this. I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. Technophile. Yeah. Which would be not the kind of file you use on your fingernails no, and jail yeah, cells. Right. Yeah, it's a foot. Unless you have weird fingers. Yeah, right. Um, I'm very late to this game, but uh, this past week I finally broke down and bought an Apple Watch, which I'm sure is going to like leave both of you cold. It's like, yeah, what? Huh? So what? But, but Apple people will go, really? And I've been not an Apple Watch Luddite because I've always um, acknowledged the technological coolness of the watches. But I just for years never wanted to wear a watch. I haven't worn a wristwatch of any sort in 30 years and didn't want to add a watch to my situation. And uh, and our, our buddy 172 Drew has been, been chipping away at my resolve for a better part of a year now. And uh, he finally tipped me over the edge, and I went out the other day and, and got myself an Apple Watch. Um, and uh, and and Have it you is figured pretty out cool. how to turn it on yet. What's that? Have you figured out how to turn it on yet? Uh, yes, I have, Smart Alec. Um, <laughs> this is. Oh. I, I don't understand, but yeah. 
Yeah, you guys are, you know, okay, I, I can't talk to you guys about this, but Apple is very, very good at this kind of stuff. <laughs> sure you can, Jack. This, this was the way the Apple um, AirPods, the, the, the Bluetooth uh, ear, earbuds that um, Apple's made for years now, are remarkable at how easy they are to turn on and pair with your device, and um, it's, it, it works really well. And so I've been playing with my, my Apple Watch, and I, mostly the big thing that tipped me over the edge was that I'm doing so much um, – exercise walking and i'm doing a little bit of running and bike riding and things like that and uh and i've been carrying my phone in my pocket and it's been tracking my exercise but the watch is really uniquely optimized for tracking that kind of stuff and so that's kind of fun um but I've also become one of those people now who will be just sitting doing something else and suddenly will glance down at my wrist because, wrist because the watch has buzzed at me or beeped at me or something like that. And uh, I'm, I, the jury's out on whether I think that's a good idea. But uh, I got an Apple Watch. That's kind of cool. Why does your watch beep at you? Because of notifications. Uh, this is a way if you get a text message. Or you get those on your phone too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always had them on my phone, and as a rule, I I disable the the noises on my phone. Um, but on the watch, it'll not only make a tone; it'll actually vibrate, and so you can actually feel it. Um, um, you know, for whatever. And sometimes it's not just notifications. Sometimes it's like, you know, it, it'll. I mean, I guess it's always notifications, but it's not simply like you got a text message notification. It can be like, you know, um, it's time to start the second lap of your or the next interval of your run or something like that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it'll it'll beep at you or, or buzz at you or, or vibrate at you, and uh, and uh, that's my Apple uh, Watch. That invites no, don't go there, David. <laughs> what? Okay. All right, all right. Later on, later on. Too bad we don't still have an after show. Sounds like an after show subject. Um, I'm doing a lot of programming. Um, I'm doing a lot of uh, motion graphics stuff. Still doing that stuff like before. Um, having fun with uh, with uh, programming for uh, iPhone and and uh, Mac OS. And uh, and I'm also uh, experimenting with some other audio programming format stuff, other progr- other you know uh, uh, podcasts, but but not specifically podcasts. But I'm, uh, you may hear more about that. But I'm, I'm experimenting, I'm going you know basically going to go do a solo album. Um, hopefully, it won't break up the group. But Say that, what? Huh? No. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a rock band. Uh, analogy. Oh, right. oh, music. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm f- I'm familiar with music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not doing music. I'm still doing spoken word stuff. But anyways, uh-huh. that's what I'm doing. I'm keeping busy. So uh, yeah, fun stuff. You're doing on. it Shatner style. Uh, okay. Well, you know, Shatner's an interesting character. But yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> I want to hang on a second. I got to find the right page in my thing here. Here it is right now. Um, while I have you, I just wanted to say that uh, we, we want to send out a big thank you to all of our listeners who provide us with financial support, either through Patreon or through the PayPal tip jar. Um, a few listeners that we'd like to thank today. Um, a couple of new Patreon patrons have appeared in the last uh, week or so. Um, one who goes by the name Bravo Whiskey, uh, which I'm presuming is not a real full name. Otherwise, I've given away his last name, her last name. Um, but so Bravo Whiskey and Ryan are new 
new Patreon patrons. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. And then also uh, a few others to say thank you to Stephen and Bill and Larry and Cody and Brian, Don and Andrew and everybody else who supports us on Patreon and through the PayPal tip jar. We really appreciate it. It helps out, um, helps us pay the bills, helps us keep motivated, um, helps us buy the occasional beer um, and uh, and uh, sushi. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, we'd especially like to thank the Patreon supporters who were quick to update their pledge to adjust for the change from per-episode support to per-month support. Um, that's been great, and we really appreciate those of you who have updated uh, and if you are not already, you can support us on the podcast as well for as little as $1 a month by using the excellent and safe service Patreon. For information, check out uh, our page at Patreon, patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Or you can just click in the box on the UCAP homepage in the right-hand column that says tip jar. Thanks very much, folks. We really, really appreciate it. What's yes, next? Yes, we do. What's next what here? Book review. So I, I don't particularly, I'm not sure if this is the right place for book reviews, but this one caught my attention because um, the author of this book is, um, I'm sure you know, uh, Paul Dye. Now, um, I know Paul Dye as uh, a, a journalist, particularly with Kit Plains um, magazine. And, and I've, in fact, interviewed him a couple of different times in that role. Um, as a, he, He's actually building a Sonex jet, um, which I interviewed him about at Oshkosh last summer. And uh, we were on a panel together at, at Sun and Fun one time. And so I, I, Paul Dye, I, I came across this story the other day. Paul Dye has published a book um, called uh, Shuttle Houston, My Life in the Center Seat of Mission Control. I didn't realize that Paul Dye was a, uh, what's the current mission commander? Mission, I'm sorry, hang on, what is it? Mission direct... Uh, uh, flight director. Flight director. Flight director for NASA. All right. Flight director is a big deal. All right. Yes. F- flight director is like if you are old enough and you remember these things. You know, Chris Craft and Gene Krantz, the legendary pioneers um, in in the leadership of NASA. Um, that was the flight director position, and uh, I hadn't realized that Paul Dye uh, sat in that seat for quite some time. Um, and. Uh, uh, Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. The book sounds pretty interesting. Apparently, it's him telling the story of his uh, his time uh, in that role. And uh, I think I'm probably going to try and, and, and check out this book. But uh, Paul Dye, D-Y-E. Um, a lot of people like myself know him from Kit Plains Magazine, but he now has this book. And uh, sounds pretty cool. He was apparently the uh, the uh, in, in the chair when the time they discovered that the uh, International Space Station had uh, an, an air leak, had an atmosphere leak and uh, it it could have potentially become a really big deal and they had to go into into a pretty active mode to try and track it down and uh, that that story is just hinted about here i'm looking at an article in avweb uh, um, but uh, um, cool stuff paul die yeah um, very cool it, it would have been enough if he'd just been that kit planes um you know yeah. sonics jet builder um but uh, wow, I'm kind of glad I didn't know. I, I might have been like totally starstruck. And uh, um, anyways, uh, that's like its third or fourth or fifth airplane build. Uh, the jet, the, the Sonics. Yeah, the yeah. Paul is a serial builder. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Well, uh, check out the book. Check out the book. Um, 
And then what's next here? Uh, this is a big subject, and I don't know if we're gonna really, we're kind of starting to reach the end of our allotted time here. But uh, 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 you know, uh, about six or seven years ago on this podcast, I started to raise the alarm um, that that the drones are going to take over the airspace. All right, and everybody ho hummed and yeah, yeah, sure, Jack, whatever you say. And I submit that this is continuing. FAA publishes first concept of operations for urban air mobility, which is the word they're using for it now, urban air mobility, which is basically drones, although some other things too. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is a story from uh, EVTOL, EV, uh, EVTOL, um, a website that apparently covers the whole, uh, 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 you know, electric. I don't know how to characterize it exactly, that field. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration expects to scale up urban air mobility operations through the use of a defined UAM corridors in which aircraft will operate without direct involvement from air traffic control. Well, that just sounds perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, you guys are pretty quiet. What do you think? You think this is not is this the thing that that Rod Reckick was bringing our attention Rod, to? Rod was, yeah, was yeah. definitely okay. also raised the alarm about this specifically. Yeah, this this particular uh, proposal, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. I, I, I'm not sure what to think of this. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, uh, on, on one level, you know, one of the... I don't know, one of the early sales pitches associated with ADSB was something that, that was shortened down to being called self-separation. I'm sorry, what kind of separation? Self-separation. Thank you. You got, um, pick a number of, of light airplanes approaching uh, an airport uh, all at the same time. Who goes first? Um, that kind of thing. And the 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 sales pitch was that the technology would automatically through I don't know um, artificial intelligence or or uh, flip of the coin digitally or, or whatever would sort out who got to land first and, and who got to to land second and, and who got to land third etc and and would um, somehow either manipulate or maneuver or signal to the pilot to manipulate or maneuver uh, to to the proper point in time and space, uh, which I found all a little bit far-fetched at the time and, and even more so right now, mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, kind of sort of, you know, we do that now. It's called a non-towered airport. Right. That's the that's what come to my mind. Yeah. When you were describing and, and, it as well. um, and that works kind of okay. And, and it, you know, every now and then we 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 swap paint with somebody. But hey, you know, uh, a few eggs are going to get cracked, right? I'm I'm being facetious. Yeah, you are being. It's, it's but but it does happen. But, but it does I, happen. It, and but and to, to the extent it's dangerous, I think it's reasonable. If well, that makes sense. I'm you know, yeah. Okay, so I mean, there's risk in everything we do. There's risk sitting here talking with you guys. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, how do, how do you minimize or how do you at least recognize the risk exists? And, and that's a whole other topic. But uh, I don't understand the corridors thing. Um, I don't understand how um, that's supposed to work. And uh, I also don't understand... Um, what happens if it doesn't? <laughs> I guess is the, is the it's raining line. drones. It's, it's, it's raining drones. And I, do we? I mean, 
I'm certainly willing to, to, you know, talk with a few mechanics about installing some shotguns and stuff on the debonair. But um, I, I just, you know, I don't know what this means. Burnside, folks, is B-U-R-N. Yeah, the, the statute of limitations will take okay. care of all, all this. Right. Um, all right. David, did you make your point? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's back up. Back all up. right, Jeb, go where, ahead. where does it say I can't install shotguns on my debonair? I guess I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Just uh, make sure you update your weight and balance. <laughs> well, I mean, really. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I guess what I was what I was alluding to was uh, that, that you're you're you might choose to use them, which I suppose is a. Well, that's a whole different. Installing them is one thing. Using them, that's that's a different far. Yeah, really. Yeah. So, um, it, it, I can drop things from my airplane just because they happen to have a high velocity. I, I don't, I don't want to go there anymore. Yeah. I think you've already gone there. I think we're going to wander away. David, did you finish making your point about this way? What, no. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. The, uh, the, the reality is that some of what they're talking about happening in these, uh, UAM corridors, which are saying that w- the, the aircraft will be piloted. And there will be people in them. Then why are we having this conversation? You know, that's a, that that's an air traffic question, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, they want to find a way to squeeze these guys in at lower altitudes, where they don't conflict with what I'm going to call normal air traffic. Uh, you know, which is going to be above 500 feet. Uh, but some of the automation that they're talking about uh, has been used for years by United Parcel Service on their arrival routes mm-hmm. into uh, Louisville International in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Sierra Delta Foxtrot, for those of you who want to look it up. Right. Uh, and the it and, and this started with early use of ADSB, and the airplanes joined the arrival up above Indianapolis. The ADSB keeps track of where they are, but it also communicates with the air, sees what the airplane in front and behind it's doing, and sends signals to the cockpit for the crews to adjust their speeds accordingly so that they can squeeze as many airplanes as possible on the runway at Louisville when they're having their daily pushes. Uh, now, Every big airport has a runway acceptance rate, and they have a capacity rate. And this is all designed to work within those parameters and in good weather and bad weather. Right. So that they can slide them down the chute coming from Indianapolis into Louisville. Uh, When I go back for the holidays, I can sit on my buddy Tom's front porch and watch them coming in and you can see the landing lights coming on and when they're still about 70 miles out yeah but is that the same thing as deciding that it's now safe for aircraft to be operating at a low altitude that we previously thought was unsafe to operate at well that's uh and over congested you know whatever they call that congested area yeah those are different questions so the the technology that you're talking about to make this flow happen already exists and adsb is the backbone of it and it will take some additional uh software and communications among the aircraft to actually put it into practice for this category of flying machine Uh, but let's talk about how they're going to get to this they're going to go through airspace that's not uh, in the uh, uh 
not necessarily in the uncontrolled territory. And the diagram that they show here shows the corridors where aircraft UAMs would come up from the ground, go through the 400-foot ceiling that they're restricted to now, and join a corridor at some undefined altitude at least not defined by this graphic where they can motor on through class g c d e and bravo airspace with no further interaction with controllers uh okay count me from missouri show me yeah uh i want to see this demonstrated out in airspace where it doesn't matter first off and with and without crew in it to make sure that it doesn't matter that they have input from ATC. But the communications back and forth, that to me is where the vulnerability uh, potential comes into play. Right. As we all know that all these technologies just work perfectly out of the box, right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um Jeb, ask David what he's been up to. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking coffee. You guys go ahead with that. <laughs> hey, Jeb, what's up? <laughs> Excuse me, I, I've got a tickle in my throat. Yeah, um, okay. Beats a frog. Beats a, I guess it actually was a frog. It was a ticklish frog. Um, sorry, I don't know. So, Higdon, what's going yeah. on? What's going on out in Wichita, man? Well, right now it's wet and rainy. Uh, I've been working uh on the next issues of uh, Avionics News and Avbuyer Magazine, and I'm just about wrapped up on both of those. It will be back end of business tomorrow. Uh, this month's Avbuyer Magazine, I have two stories in in the book. Uh. One of them is uh, an update on new power plant developments uh, that are being uh, uh, worked to produce uh, newer, quieter, more fuel-efficient engines for business turbine aircraft. Uh, Elsewhere in the issue, I've got a story that looks at the uh, activity in the pre-owned business turbine market. scintillating reading all of it every every word uh it's almost as good as listening to a politician's speech okay i'm not sure where your writing is way more interesting than that david come on um cool cool uh and the thing to remember here is for jeb and me this rock never stops yeah, I know. The hill, we roll no, out of one issue and we roll into another, and the big chore, the big goal is to not let the rock roll downhill over you. Yeah, you're you're like you're rolling the rock uphill on the, All the legendary um, um, tr- you know, treadmill. Yep. Yeah. 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 There you go. And sometimes, you know, a few days later, we might even remember what we wrote about. I know. <laughs> well, listen. Okay, that's a whole other thing. Uh, David, you were telling us that you were calling our attention to some sort of story or report about business, business aviation safety improving pretty significantly. What, what's going on here? Do you know? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of not a big shock that uh, the uh, fatal accident rate has uh, dropped significantly uh, year over year so far for this year. Uh 
at this point last year, there had been 57 people die in uh, 13 accidents. In the first six months of this year, 14 people in five accidents. And before anybody breaks out the champagne that we're just doing this so much better, keep in mind that there's been a significant modification in the level of traffic right. that's flying right. out there. I'm sure someone's done the math on what is like, I don't know what the the stat would be like, you know, fatalities per flight hour or something like that, or 1,000 flight hours. Usually or, per 100,000 flight hours. Uh, yeah. The... Uh, the, the, this whole COVID-19 thing, I saw a, a, a blurb from Airlines for America. That's the old Air Transport Association trying to spruce up its image. And uh, traffic uh, among some of their carriers is so far year over year is off as much as 86, 87 percent. Yeah, it's crazy. How far it's down. Uh, so much so that... Uh, Congress, which has already provided financial relief to the air carriers earlier this year, is now talking about doing it again. And uh, that's encouraged a lot of people to say, me too. If you're going to do it for them twice, you need to do it for the rest of us twice. Mm -hmm. So how this plays out is anybody's guess. Uh, But I'd be bloody knocked over if this didn't result in a, uh, a new relief bill, uh, probably not until after Labor Day. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just too busy arguing about other crap to actually pay attention to the important stuff right now. So mm-hmm. uh, okay. we got political campaigns going. Well, there's that, a whole bunch of other crap out there to talk it. about. Oh, yeah. 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 So, Jeb, anything you want to add to this whole uh, business aviation safety thing? No. Um, it, it's a function of uh, operations, of course. Uh, accident rates go down. Uh, number, total numbers of accidents go down, I should say, uh, when there's fewer people flying. Um, um, I'm, I'm working on a project that will uh, um, look at some of the recent numbers, look at uh, um, what's going on with activity levels uh, at various levels throughout the uh, uh, general aviation industry, but uh, I don't have any real answers right now. Um, but clearly, safety is certainly part of that that overall net. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me in, in uh, talk to me in a month, and I'll have some, some better answers. Oh, really? Month? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's uh, always fun getting together. I don't know whether uh, we had more fun today or not, but uh, it was was different, I think. Um, Ducks, huh? Ducks. Uh, What was it you said? Duck duck races. Duck duck act. A duck act. That's what it was. A duck act. Duck act. Yeah, well. Duck! <laughs> Thank you, boys. I appreciate it. Jeb Burnside. That's Jeb. Jeb's a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, and as a frequent contributor to other aviation publications online. You can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com, and his magazine is on Twitter at uh, avsafetymag. You can also find him at aea.net, avweb.com, and on Twitter he's Burnside J. And Dave Higdon. Dave, thank you. Uh, Dave is a aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. You can find his work online at abbuyer.com and aea.net and on Twitter he's Real Higdon. 
And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Some of the places you can find me online are Twitter, Jack Hodgson, YouTube, Jack Hodgson, Patreon, Jack Hodgson. And you can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the book section. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Key to long life. You've heard it before, but we'll keep saying it until you get it. Go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And remember, there are three simple rules for making a smooth landing. Unfortunately, no one knows what they are. (laughs) 